0: welcome to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I am your host Dolores Alfieri Taranto. On this show we talk spirituality for the rest of us, focusing on the art of beautifying all facets of your life. We use heritage, culture, beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style as a means to do so. Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode five of season two, where my theme is home. And I have the most fitting guest for that theme today. My guest is the one, the only, Shay Elliott of the Elliott Homestead. If you're already familiar with Shay, I think you're going to love a bit of a deep dive with her listening to her talk about how she came to be Shay Elliot of the famed Elliot Homestead and why the life that she's living and the things that she's creating and sharing with the rest of us are resonating with so many of us including of course yours truly if you're not yet familiar with Shay I'm just going to say you're welcome <laughs> you're going to fall in love with her And you're going to devour her content. I am coming to you from our house in the mountains up in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York on a gorgeous December afternoon. The pond here looks like it's frozen and the nostalgic part of me wants to take my son and go ice skating on it. The chicken in me (laughs) Keeps thinking of that scene and *It's a Wonderful Life*, where they're sledding in the opening scene, and and the poor boy falls right through the pond. So I'm still waiting for it to get uh, increasingly colder, so that I can have a little more confidence before I take us out there, and get my uh, Norman Rockwell-esque on your own pond around Christmas time. Feels going. <laughs> But speaking of Christmas, this is the perfect time for us to take a couple minutes and talk about wine. I am preparing to host Christmas up here in the Mountain House. All I want for Christmas is Bubbly from Dry Farm Wines. I like to celebrate, honestly, I do. I like to have a good time, I like to be with friends, and I like to cut loose, but I like to do it well. And some people spend their money on cable, some people spend it on concert tickets, but me, I will spend my last penny on a delectably expensive hunk of French cheese. And if what I'm drinking is not good quality, just like my food, I'd rather not drink at all. Keep your watery banquet hall gin and tonics. I'll just stick with water for the evening. I'd rather just drink water than suck down something that I know is not top notch quality. That purple, sticky, sweet wine, I'll pass on that as well. So dry farm wines, it is. And when I drink dry farm wines, folks, I feel classy. I feel like someone who knows good quality and doesn't hesitate to invest in it because she gives her money to what matters to her. She values what she values and finds a way to make it work. Honestly, that makes me feel really good about the way I'm living and really good about where my focus is. Before I became a member of Dry Farm Wines and started receiving their monthly shipments, I never drank champagne or sparkling wine because honestly, it tasted icky. But even higher quality or higher taste or more expensive brands, I had trouble drinking them because even if they tasted okay, I just knew how much added sugar was in each glass and I knew how bad it was for my health. So I just didn't drink it. But this holiday season, I'll be raising my glass, Gatsby style, all sparkly and bubbly with bottles sourced from Dry Farm. These wines are organic, they're biodynamic, and they have less than one gram of sugar per bottle. Because the only ingredient is grapes. No additives, no refined sugar, no dyes, only class these are wines you can feel good about drinking because not only will you wake up in the morning without that killer wine headache or sugar headache but you are also supporting the small family farms who grow the grapes who harvest the grapes and make this wine in an old world way now i know if you're listening to the show this is something you believe in so i'm thrilled to let you know that there is a link created especially for bella figura listeners and if you use my link you will receive a bottle of these beautiful wines for just a penny in your first shipment that link is dryfarmwines.com forward slash bella figura now folks use the link check it out i'm going to tell you that dry farm wines is a bit of an investment but as i said at the beginning invest in what you value Doing the math, it comes to about $30 a bottle. But for me, the minute I discovered Dry Farm Wines, this would be several years ago at this point, I knew that it was worth the investment. I knew that I'd rather put down another 10, 15 bucks per bottle and get something high quality that I believe in and that I feel so good drinking and can really enjoy. And not only that, with the holidays coming, I can put on my table and tell my guests the story behind it what it means to me how it's grown and take pleasure in knowing that i'm giving them something quality to enjoy as well so again check out the link dryfarmwines.com forward slash bella figura and i will also link to that in the show notes don't miss the chance to get your penny bottle Also, quickly, before we jump in, if you're looking for some beautiful, authentic, thoughtful, last-minute Christmas gifts, please check out my Etsy shop. I stock it full of my still-life photographs that look beautiful, slipped in some old antique frames, as well as jewelry that resonates with your old-world taste and your old-world values, and vintage items that I find along the way. I will link to my shop in the show notes as well, but it's called Bella Figura Shop, and the link is etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Bella Figura store. Again, that's etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Bella Figura store. It is a shop curated especially for you. Okay, now I get to tell you a little bit more about my guest, Shay Elliott, is founder of the popular blog, The Elliot Homestead. She is a cookbook author, farmer, artist, wife, and mother of four. She lives with her family in rural Washington state where she records her well-known and much beloved YouTube videos on inspiration and tips on homesteading, cooking, preserving, gardening, and all around cultivating a beautiful life. She is the author of four books, including Welcome to the Farm, How to Wisdom from the Elliott Homestead, Family Table, Farm Cooking from the Elliott Homestead, The Elliott Homestead, From Scratch, Traditional Whole Foods, Dishes for Easy Everyday Meals, and one of my personal favorites, Seasons at the Farm, Year-Round Celebrations at the Elliott Homestead. She is co-host of the high-ranking home and garden podcast, Homemaker Chic. I'm not going to tell you too much about how I came across Shay Elliott's work and how much it means to me because I really do get into it in the episode. So let's just dive in here for this wonderful conversation. It was such a treat to have Shay on the show. I'm so honored, and I really think you guys are going to love this conversation. Shay, thank you for joining me here on Bella Figura.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Dolores, finally. I know,
0: it took a little little juggling, but with um, busy schedules and two moms and two entrepreneurs, that is understandable. Mm -hmm. I'm going to attempt to explain, which I've done a little bit in the intro, but I'm gonna attempt to explain to listeners how excited I am to have Shay Elliott of the Elliott Homestead on this podcast. Shay has been one of a, a small handful of people that I found over the last, I'd say two years that really has inspired me and taken all of the disparate things that I always did. And you, and you kind of, I'll switch from talking to you like you're not here to talking.
1: <laughs> no, it's great. You're saying nice things. You can just carry on <laughs> to
0: talking to you directly. Uh, you know, you, you really helped me take All of these disparate things that I I always did and almost like put a name to them, Mm. and when I first came across your YouTube videos, it was like oh this this is a thing. I almost I don't know if that makes sense. If I'm the I might guess is I'm not the first person to say this to you. In a nutshell, I was raised by two Southern Italian immigrants. It's like a very old school upbringing. So for me, the things that you do, you know, the farming, the gardening, the homesteading, the um, jarring and preserving and all the cooking, that was just (laughs) my life. I never knew anything different. And then, you know, as you get older, you start realizing that not everybody does that. And you kind of get into this American society ideal. And I just guess what I'm trying to say is I never... It took me a while to figure out like this was a lifestyle that was worthy and not something that almost was old fashioned and had to be thrown out because I had to be modern because I'm I'm a mm-hmm. modern American woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always knew that. But then when I found your work,
1: it just cl- really clicked.
0: Mm-hmm. And I want to just thank you for
1: that. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. (laughs) Welcome. Um, I remember that exact moment for me as well because I, you know, grew up in a very standard American upbringing. Two parents, middle class, lived in sort of this just very average neighborhood. And I was working this job that I absolutely despised. (laughs) And I was back in the lunch break room with another coworker of mine. And she had brought in a copy of Mary Jane's farm. Are you familiar? Mm, with this? I'm not, but I will write it down. Okay. So Mary, her name's Mary Jane Butters, which is about the most homesteady name you could possibly ask for. Absolutely. Yep. She had this small farm in Idaho and she started this magazine and it was on cooking over a fire or having a garden or putting up preserves or milking her cow. I mean, it was all these things. And it was the first time I'd ever seen something like that compiled. And I just thought, oh, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like all these weird things, I feel like I'm drawn to this wicker basket, or I feel (laughs) like (laughs) I need to go out and plant leeks or something. And it was the first culmination of all that coming together and being like, oh, I actually maybe have permission. Yes. That's the word. To just do this. This is the thing.
0: That's the word, Shay. Permission. Yep. You gave me permission. Mm-hmm. And yep. also at the same time, demonstrated this is worthy. We yeah. live in a society where, especially as women, I mean, you're just supposed to want the high powered career, quote unquote, to work in the city, to have the corner office. You want anything different than there's something wrong with you.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I, I remember know. having this conversation with a college professor of mine. Um, I went to college, a four-year university for beef production, mm-hmm. <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> and I remember having this conversation with my professor and he said, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to be a wife and have kids. What? Yeah. I don't understand the question. That's all I wanted to do, which made student loans very atrocious after uh, I graduated. Like, hmm. why did I do this? Well, because you thought you had to
0: probably. It
1: was just the next thing you did. Exactly. It <laughs> was just the next thing you did. Yep. And that's not to say that there isn't some value in those experiences. I learned a lot about as cliche as it sounds, I learned a lot about myself during those years and you know, made a lot of stupid mistakes and grew as a person, but there were a lot of other ways I could have accomplished that. Oh,
0: please. This <laughs> is like we will get into this some more I think as as I go through these questions, but I, you know, people if I bring this up to someone, they're like, "Yeah, but you have no regrets because it's made you the person you are." I'm like, uh, "Okay, I that's a know?
1: stupid thing. <laughs> we shouldn't say that anymore."
0: I know that that's like the PC self help thing to say, but no, no, I have regrets. I have. I have no, lots of them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> lots of them. Same,
0: same here. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I know I have regrets, and maybe, maybe no, I wouldn't be the person I am. Maybe I'd be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: If, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't yeah. made those. If you cleaned mistakes, up your trash doesn't mean that you should have made the trash in the big, first place. Well, said. I mean, like. Exactly. Yep. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Before we continue, I love when I have someone on and we just jump right in. <laughs> love that. I did want you to just, so, so people who haven't heard of you yet can root themselves a little bit. If you don't mind starting a little bit, telling me about where you come from and the people you come from, because heritage, and Ancestry is a really big part of this yeah. show, yeah.
1: Yes, well, I'm, I'm a little confused just in the sense, I know you come from this Italian background and for some reason I just, my soul is drawn to Italy. And when I went backpacking through Europe for the first time I was young, I was 21, and we went through France and we w- touched in Switzerland, we went to Italy, we went to Spain, none of them held a candle mm. to Italy. I mean, it was the place that my soul was like. This was what you were made for, <laughs> oh. and so I went back a few years later. Was supposed to go back right when COVID hit. There's places like that that you just feel the need to be. Yeah, and for me, Italy is one of those places. So I'm learning Italian right now.
0: Oh, how wonderful!
1: But <laughs> my entire, all my people come from Norway. Oh, okay, Norway. Okay. Everybody is from Norway. So. On my mother's side it was a little bit further back so it was her great grandparents who immigrated. On my dad's side it was his grandparents who immigrated. The Norwegian culture was just always a part of things growing up and usually that manifested in just celebrations and certain foods. And all of all of my great grandparents died very early on and my both of my grandma's died when I was really young and so there is this severe lack of a generation to sort of pour into that for me the only one who sort of was left really was my grandpa Larson and he had all kinds of stories and family would come and visit from Norway and he went over to visit Norway so there was it was always just a part of things but my daughter I tell you all this to tell you my daughter decided that she wanted to learn Norwegian oh wow <laughs> and wow. so we're very confused. <laughs> We're a very confused home because she's learning Norwegian. We (laughs) live in an area that speaks, 50% of the people speak Spanish. Right. There's not an Italian speaker within 500 miles of me, probably. And my husband's family Scottish, so we're just- Oh
0: my gosh. Well, listen, if you you all actually learn all those languages, what a home that will be. You won't be able to understand each other, but at least-
1: (laughs) We'll all just be speaking to ourselves. (laughs) It is hard when you
0: don't have, when you're not surrounded by the language you're trying to learn. I mean, that that does make things difficult, but you're welcome to call me anytime if you want to practice your Italian. I do. I
1: absolutely do. Really, I mean mean that. (laughs) I am new in it, but I realize the cultural part of- why you learn a language or why you're connected is such an important part yes culture and i think that's a big part of it the family the food the casualness of italy i'm really drawn to so i realize you're just going to have to learn to speak about these things the food and the people and so kind of setting up my language learning to center around the things ultimately that interest me right that's what i want to do i want to go to italy and cook and eat and well, oh, that things. makes
0: sense. The best way to learn things is by going through what you're passionate about. Right. Best teacher I ever had, I mean, he was a friend, taught me to play guitar in my early 20s. And the best thing he did was he, he didn't teach sheet music, nothing like that. He was like, You love all of this folk music, all this simple country music. It's really easy. And so he would teach me by having me play songs that I loved. Right. from people that I loved. And that's how I learned how to play. I was like, oh my gosh, I can sing this Gillian Welch song. would be so excited that I would practice and practice and practice. So that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Your ethos is very Italian. It is, I can see why you're drawn to it. My door is always open. People at my table. Mm-hmm. Food is really important. Food is everything because mm-hmm. it's it's the anchor of all those other really important things like family like friends, like getting together. Yeah, a place. You have a place. The theme for this season is home. Mm. And I wanted to talk about home. First of all, I've always been a homebody. That was another thing I didn't realize was like I could be. <laughs> I feel like people yeah. were always like, you have to go out. Why aren't you going to the club or dancing? And I'd be like, I just kind of want to be home with a book. <laughs> sorry, with yeah. like a few people or with friends, you know, with family, but also obviously this past year and a half and counting has really turned us in back inward, right? To home with quarantine and not being able to go out as we usually do in life, just being so strange. So I thought it was a good theme to explore in its various facets. And you are a terrific guest for that theme. I mean, home is... I don't, it's like, I don't even want to say such a big part of your life. I feel like it is life. It's just life. It's life. You, you farm, you homeschool, you're an artist, you're an entrepreneur, you're a cook, and you do all of this from your home. You're a mother, you're a wife. Mm -hmm. So to begin, did you, did you always plan to homestead? Did you always plan to have such a home centered life? Like how did this all kind of fall into place?
1: I think it was one of those things that sort of happened but then you look back and you see all the building blocks Mm. that sort of led to that point. Growing up my mom worked and she still works and she oh but she always had Fridays off that was her day off and I remember coming home from school and Friday would have been the day that she bleached the sinks and I love, I to this day, I love the smell of bleach because this is what it reminds me of. I would walk in and she would have gone grocery shopping. She would have, the house would be clean. It would smell good. She maybe would have gotten a new throw blanket or something for the couch. There was always a little something different. And I just remember those days really making an impact on me and being like, oh, you cultivate this. Mm, okay, This is something that you actually can create and you can change what I call the aroma and not just the the actual smell the feeling it's like when you wake up on saturday and you smell the coffee and you're like oh i got this yes. <laughs> like <laughs> i'm right i'm all for this and so that i mean i think the the way that my mom was a homemaker had a huge impact but then you get on the train of school and like i said you go to university you're going to get this job and i worked all kinds of jobs and full time jobs basically until we had my daughter and my husband and I looked at each other and I was just like, I can't, I don't want to leave her. I mean, it was like, it was no more complicated than that. Like, I don't want to be away from her at all. We had to make some severe sacrifices as a family. And I deal with a lot of this. I'm sure you can probably interact with some of these people too, who say like, we can't afford for yeah. me to stay home. We can't afford yeah. for me to be a homemaker. And I think back to when my husband and I started, I'm not saying it was easy or glamorous, but he was working a very low-paying teaching job, well below what the average person makes or even a public school teacher makes. And we did it because it was just important to us. And I think that time, as hard as it was, was the, the permission of you might not have a lot of money in the bank account you might not have the credentials, you might not have these, these experiences that people say you're supposed to have. But I began to slowly fall in love with this, like, but when he comes home, I can have made bread. And when he comes home, there's going to be a hot supper and a hug, we can actually cultivate this place to be a place we want to be. That I hate this word, but it is really empowering. It was like, (laughs) I can do this. Yeah, you can do it. I can actually affect the people who I love the most in the world. I can pour myself out for them and create the space for them. After that, it was just the snowball. It all just went from there. It
0: all just fell into place. No, I do because I've, I've heard you say that. Of course, I listened to your wonderful podcast, Homemaker Chic. I've heard you talk about that before. And I think about it a lot because I do have a day job. That's kind of insane. And I i have a son, whenever I hear you tell that story, I, I think, no, we could do it. We would just have to make a lot of changes. Some of the things that we have that are luxuries would have to go and yeah. the trade-off would have to be worth it. Yeah, And that's I mean, pretty and, much and it.
1: I think that's a really wise way to look at it because what the problem is when people get into this they back themselves up against a wall and say, it's not possible. Right. At that point, you're not being honest with yourself. And you might come to a different decision than I made. And I right. think people have this freedom to make this decision for their family. But when people say, I don't have a choice, I'm like, you do though. Right. Is that, as it's, with just, everything. it's just like, not
0: fun. It, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just like, not it's, a fun choice. <laughs> it's like with working out, people are like, I don't have time to work out. And it's like, mm, well, maybe you just, you could move some things around, right? Like it's a choice that you make and, and that's fine. Maybe the choice you, maybe even for us, the choice we end up making is it's not possible for us. Right. Right. We, we want this lifestyle too much. Right. To treat And that's fine too.
1: Yeah. You have to, you have to just, I think you have to rephrase that in your mind because when you tell yourself, I can't do this or I can't do this, you end up growing really bitter either towards Mm. your kids, towards your job, towards your husband, towards your lifestyle. When you, when when you say, this isn't a priority for me right now, I mean, right. that that tends to be a more honest, right? and that's not, and that's, you know, there's a lot of circumstances where, I mean, again, this is a personal thing. There are single parents, there are some severe situations out there that people have to make a really hard decision on. Sure. And I do not envy people who have to do that. But the majority of people that I talk to would do better to just say, this is not a priority for me right now. Same with working out. Right. It's yeah, not so a priority for me right work. now. Yeah. Right. But this is not this is not the biggest priority for me, right?
0: Yeah. Now. Which is also fine, like through the seasons of your life. But what's interesting sure. is you made that decision and then you really turned it into a business that you you are working. You're just you're working from home, but you are a working mom. Yes. You are yep. a businesswoman. You are an entrepreneur. And I just think there's such a boldness to having created that I think what I'm so drawn to in your work is you see this outward expression of what is inside of you in everything it's not just oh yes you know you're a painter and and here's this little square of your life that involves painting you've built this entire world that seems to be an expression of your inner world and mm-hmm. your passions. And not everybody does that.
1: It's that's cause it's torture. <laughs> it's torture. When I see like a strip mall, I I a piece of my soul dies. Um, and it's one of, it is like the tortured artist thing where when you're, when you want to create what's in here has to come out. I very unattractively talk about it. Like it's vomit. I tell my husband, <laughs> you have to vomit. Like you can't hold it in. <laughs> right like it has yes. it has to physically you, can't help, yeah, you, you can't, can't help yourself yeah you can't help or stop yourself <laughs> and whether that's something in the kitchen or it's in the gardens I am spurred on by beauty and I have my you know theological reasons for why I think that is I have my theological reasons for why I feel the need to create um and and so I'm happy to do that but the, the always the sticky point of that is well then when things aren't beautiful and you have four kids and they leave their legos all over or when the chickens get into the trash can and all of a sudden you've got plastic leg bag bags all over the garden like these things happen mm-hmm. and you have to you have to be flexible and you have to adapt but it's tricky because I always talk about with this with Angela I don't inspire myself And so I can, I can look at my gardens and I I say, yeah, that's beautiful, but it's, Mm. I feel something completely different when, you know, the work that you put into it and sort of what it came from, you know, you just see things with different eyes, but the labor of it is so enjoyable. And a friend came over to my house a while ago and she just, we have completely different tastes. And she walked in and she just very nonchalantly just said, well, Shay, this could be nobody's house, but yours. And I thought, great. (laughs) That's like such a compliment to me. Right, right, right. It is. I I totally
0: get that. Like, You could take it a hundred ways, but you're like, I've worked really hard to make a house that says that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So enjoying it. So you've been called quote the Gwyneth Paltrow of America's growing homestead movement.
1: I still don't know what that means. <laughs> Do you know what that means?
0: I think, I think the comparison is attempting to place you at the forefront of an alternative way of living the way Gwyneth Paltrow is at the forefront of alternative beauty and health movement. I think that's what they're okay. saying. Like she's the so, face. Like it's an insult or is it? I think it's a compliment. Okay. Well, I guess it depends what you think of Gwyneth Paltrow and goop, <laughs> and, like and then you take it from there.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm wondering why do you believe how you live and the work that you create out of that is so inspiring to so many people.
1: Hmm. I think, and I'm speaking kind of generally here for Americans, I think we do sort of have this driven into us culturally that you do a job and maybe you like it, but yeah, work, meh, you know, yeah. that's why we have this whole like frye culture, right? Um, mm-hmm. You work, you're supposed to work this job that you don't really love, but you went to school for, and maybe you're good at, and maybe you get compensated really well for it. And then you do that for 45 years. And then when you retire, well, then you get to live your life. And you get to go on the vacations and you get to visit the wineries and you get to eat the food and you get to see your friends. And I just looked at that and thought, well, that is a long time to wait to just yeah. live. And frankly, most of us don't make it there. Then there's that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. We save up all of our money and we save up all of our resources. And someday we're going to do this and someday we're going to do that. And, you know, I think, People don't want to do that. And it's not that I really don't find that people are lazy necessarily, especially in the homesteading group. I mean, these are people who are like, I'll throw down, but it, but it's going to be kind of on my terms. So I think people are just hungry for, Hey, it's Tuesday and I got to have lunch. And, you know, when I get an egg from my chicken and a carrot from my garden and, you know, I sit down with a good glass of wine that makes that Tuesday lunch way more enjoyable than most Tuesday lunches, sort of steady enjoyment of just quality of life day to day and not letting it build up for this, some sort of false arrival moments. And I think, I think that's why people are inspired by it because they just, they sit in there every day thinking, man, this is pretty miserable. I don't like it here. <laughs> right. Right. Sure. Um, I think that's one of the reasons it's so attractive to people.
0: Do you find that a lot of do a lot of people like end up reaching out to you and saying things like, "I quit my job and I'm homesteading." Like, do you, yeah, do you, yeah, I've, I've, yeah.
1: that's yeah. kind of wild. It is wild. I mean, yeah. uh, a farmer tends to not make a lot of money, especially on a small scale, especially when the American sort of culture and the way that it works here it's built on debt. Farmers go into debt and they have to acquire new debt. And the success of their farm tends to to hinge on how much capital they can get. You see that in our area a lot where you have these apple orchards and it costs tens of thousands of dollars an acre to get these, these trees in, to get them irrigated and functioning so that they can even stand to make a profit. A lot of it hinges on that. So then when you get these, I mean, I'm all about it. And I think it's totally possible but people tend tend to wade into the deep end of homesteading. You know, they get a chicken, right? And then yeah. they like, then yes. they maybe plant a garden. Yeah. The like, oh, I quit. We quit everything and moved to the country, and we're gonna give this a go. I'm like, more power to you. You know, there's a lot of hardships in homesteading. It's it's not it's not that there are moments that are glamorous, but it's like anything else. Yeah, you of know, course, sauce has to be made. So
0: right, somebody I know. I'm trying to think of the context of the conversation, but because I'm in upstate New York right now, and somebody we were talking to said that chickens are a gateway animal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They're your gateway drug to homesteading. Very true.
0: I recently got your "Welcome to the Farm." Mm-hmm. I have some of your other books, uh, but I just recently got that one because we are slowly transitioning from living downstate. So like closer to the city, we bought a house upstate right before COVID hit and this area kind of went nuts because everybody yeah. was, yeah, if you know about yeah. it, yeah, Clean people the city. Exactly, mm-hmm. and so especially the region we're in, the Catskills, a lot of people just bought up. We got really lucky, God was on our side and we we closed before the market went through the roof. So we got like a pre-pandemic price in our house. We did all the renovations ourselves, with the help of our amazing family and it all just turned out so pretty that we thought maybe we could live up here Mm -hmm. and we're on six acres. We're on the top of a mountain. I would love to get some animals. I'm hesitant to actually pull the trigger because as I was flipping through your book, (laughs) <laughs> I like, I got to like one point and my, I remember my husband walked in. This was like the other night and I put it down. He's like, so how is it? I'm like, Oh, it's a great book. There's tons of information in there. I'm like, but you know what I'm thinking? It's a lot of work. <laughs> That's what I came away thinking. It's a lot of work. And unless you're ready to make that commitment to that life, you're not trading the hard work of having a career in an office in the city for no hard work no right it's just what what it's almost like you know pick your hard work but it's it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. what you do regularly is i mean it's really like amazing amount of labor it's
1: an yeah it's an incredible amount of labor we did a podcast theme a couple of of seasons ago called choose your hard Mm, yeah and it's this idea that you're somehow going to get a free pass. Right. That's right. <laughs> and that's just not the way that it goes. But you know what I found? There is work that fills you as much as it depletes you, and to me farming is that type of work. So if I go and I throw down in the garden, I come in and my back's aching and my dirt wedge under my fingernails and I'm tired, it's been a super hard laborious day. At the end I'm like somehow full.
0: I get that. I do. And I think different sir, right. circling back to me asking why do you think you are so inspiring to so many people, I think it's because they are putting in the hard work and they're not getting that fulfilled feeling in return. Mm-hmm.
1: It's exactly. just drain, drain, yeah, drain. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. So and and frankly, like I tell my kids all this all the time work is good. So we're Christian. So you know, we liken things, we tell we add context to a lot of things from scripture. And so like Adam worked in the garden before the fall of man, the work itself wasn't the punishment for the fall. Mm. It was once the fall happened, it was like, now there's going to be weeds and there's going to be thorns and thistles. And by the sweat of your brow, you are going to have to do this. But the work wasn't the consequence. Mm. And I think that that's really important to understand because in a very pleasure oriented culture, or live, you know, this live your best life, or this Friday, it's the weekend. Like, where does cleaning a chicken coop have any sort of place in that kind of a a worldview? It, it, I mean, it doesn't. I don't want it. Why would I do that? I can just go buy eggs from the store. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But I really try to drive home to my kids, you were created to work, we don't need idle hands, we don't need idle minds. And I think that's why, you know, COVID was really such a The quarantine stuff was such a traumatic thing for people's mental, just emotions, because people need to do stuff. You know, they need to Mm -hmm. busy their dance. And some people learned Italian and maybe like took up houseplants or something, but most people just kind of sat inside and lost their their minds. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) no, exactly. Convenience culture Mm -hmm. versus a culture of investing your time. And I noticed part of the reason I love listening to you and Angela on the podcast is guys will like pop into my head. I noticed that even as aware as I am of all of these things, because it's it's who I am and I do these shows and I write and I try to live my life understanding that we do live in a, in a culture of convenience. We live in a culture that wants to sell you the idea that work is extraneous, that work is a negative thing. And that you shouldn't be doing it. And that if you are doing it, the goal is to do it as fast as you can to get it out of the way so -hmm. that you can get to leisure. Mm -hmm. And I know, I notice for myself some days when it's just like so busy, like nonstop and whether it's stuff I'm doing in the kitchen or around the house and work, everything. And it's here it is like eight o'clock at night and I'm still on my feet and I'm still doing things. And I, I keep trying to get to the couch. Mm -hmm. I can, I can feel my whole day has been me just trying to get to the couch, like to that that moment of leisure. And then I'm going like, when is it going to happen? And some nights, I'll remember, I'll think of you guys, you guys will pop into my head or something else that I've read, or, you know, something, again, relating to scripture and God, and I'll just remember, this is, that is not the point of life. Yeah. That is not the goal here. And, but I even have to bring myself back from that because it's so ingrained mm-hmm. in us. It's just, yeah. it's in the and air. You feel,
1: you feel tired. Yeah. You feel fatigued. You feel like you want to go sit on the couch and, and it's difficult to separate and say, yeah, self, I hear you, but we're not done here. Right, right. Like you right. said, that, that's not the point. And and you do, you make a trade. The emails that really kind of get under my skin are the ones that are like, oh, it must be nice. Right, yeah. And I just think you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like while you were jet skiing in July, exactly, I was out here picking tomatoes in yeah. 115 degree temperatures. Nothing here was, you know, we have an amazing support group in our church and our families, all of this is a gift but we've labored for it all. Exactly. I was just going to
0: say, nobody handed it to you. You've built it and you've made the work and the sacrifices and comments like that are just very passive aggressive offloading of people's own internal unacknowledged knowing that they're not doing something resentment because you're doing it. That's all that is.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of, I've learned a lot about this in my time in doing this. And I feel like even during COVID times, or, um, I don't know if you just, but I like recently started working out and I, I was one of those people. I was yeah. like, I don't have the time. I will never right. be one of those people. And it's been a huge sacrifice to do it. But I realized how much of things, whether you're working in the home, out of the home, homesteading, not homesteading, whatever it is, it comes down to discipline. Oh Yeah. it's just self-discipline. We make it very complicated. We make it about our feelings or about our situations Mm. or circumstances. And, and I, I genuinely don't mean this in a, like, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We all have to work within our circumstances and within our situations and with the hand that we're dealt. And that's going to look different for people, but the self-discipline part of it is huge.
0: Absolutely, it is with and in every respect. Yeah, the, the eating well, the taking care of yourself, sure, all of that. You're keeping. You have this thing going on on Instagram that I find it so hilarious when I when I watch your stories. I'm like, she here she goes. She's just inspiring people again. Not a victim of my kitchen. Like who would have thought? Shit. It's so it's resonating <laughs> with people. I see you repost everyone, all these women across the the mm-hmm. country. I guess the world too. You know, yeah. making sure their kitchens are clean before they go to bed at night because there's nothing worse. Than waking up in the morning to a filthy kitchen, which I do way more often than I'm going to admit to you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, I I had no idea. It sounds selfish, but I started this for myself. Like you're going to be accountable and you're going to just, you're going to be disciplined because there's no one showing up to save you Mm. ever. Like no one's coming. So either you're going to, you're going to figure out a way to deal with this. Or or you're gonna get over it because you're wasting your life being angry that your situation isn't what you want it to be. Oh my gosh, I totally resonate with that. <laughs> I really, really do. I really do. Yeah. I how mean how often do we just sit around and think this shouldn't have happened to me? Yep. Right? Or I didn't deserve this. Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. And and when we when we orient that towards our family, I mean that that's a pretty vile place to get and I mean, yeah. learning to recognize it and kicking it out as soon as possible. <laughs> like,
0: so the other night I decided to make tacos and to make tortillas from scratch. Sure. I also had 11 going for a ciabatta that I had to pull together. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't go, I wouldn't lose it. And on top of it, we had picked apples a week ago and I got sick. So the apples are sitting there. So then I decided to start peeling them to preserve. And yeah. then by the time we sat down for dinner, I was just angry at everyone. My yeah. husband wasn't eating my dinner the right way. And <laughs> like you don't like like this, I had this yeah. like, chip on my shoulder that he doesn't appreciate it and all this stuff. And really by the end of the night, I'm exhausted, you know, I have to clean up now the kitchen. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I did this to myself. I really did this to myself.
1: <laughs> and I'm blaming yep. everyone else. Yeah. We've talked about this on our podcast, but a big one for me in that same way was menu planning. I would not go to the grocery store for three weeks. And then I'd be like, we don't have any food. And like, (laughs) it's everybody's fault, but mine. Right. Or somebody wants to like randomly show up for dinner and I don't have enough because I haven't, I haven't done my job of, of making sure I have the supplies on hand or if, it's four o'clock. The kids just want to eat. They're kids. Right. They just want to have supper. Right. And yet here I am, and I've backed myself into a corner and now I'm the victim because right. they want to eat.
0: Well said. I totally it's get so that. <laughs> it's so
1: pathetic. It's so pathetic. Like I did this to myself. I could make quesadillas. They wouldn't right. care. Right. But they do care if mom is a crazy person. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, yeah. My husband's very much the same way. I mean, he's He's so incredibly supportive of everything that we do, but he's very unsupportive of my martyrish tendency. That's it.
0: Martyrish tendency. That is very, that's, see, that's a phrase yeah. that's going to pop into my head the next time I'm doing something yeah. like that in my kitchen. Yep. Well done. Well yep. done. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of this culture of convenience, I was preparing for the show and you had recently put together a video where you took all your gorgeous lavender and made a wreath out of it. And I was thinking, why do that? You could go to the store and just buy that. This is what I'm talking about, listeners, when I say convenience culture. Shay has spent the time to grow, cultivate all this lavender. Then she goes out and she cuts it and dries some of it for cooking, et cetera. And then she takes it and she, in this video, she makes this wreath, this beautiful wreath by hand. And we, the that's the culture of investing time. Convenience culture is why didn't you just go to Michael's or Hobby Lobby and buy one? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the constant tension. If you are people like us and, and like most of my listeners, it's why they're attracted to the show. You kind of have these two voices in your head. Why am I doing this to myself? Why does this matter? Which is the voice that kind of comes into my head when I make Tortillas from scratch, and like, why do I do this? Why? It doesn't even matter. Can we talk a little bit about why does it matter?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know how popular of an answer this will be, but (laughs) that's why I like (laughs) it. the reason that I believe this to be true is because I think we are created beings by the ultimate artist, the ultimate creator. And he has written on our heart, like we were made in his image. We want to create. So ultimately I think that's why we, we have these, these tendencies because of who made us. And it's one of the reasons I make my gardens. Could I just go buy flowers for a million times cheaper at the store? Yeah, I could. When I'm in the garden, I see the work of the artist who, who, which isn't me, by the way. I mean, I put them together. I didn't create them. I didn't speak them into existence. And I, and so for me, it, it makes total sense yeah, I'm here and I'm making this lavender wreath. Why? Because we're created to put our hands to things. We are created to tend the garden. And this isn't work. This is this is the reward. And I think the convenience culture, what it's done is it's saying, hey, this stuff is really cheap, which by the way, it's not cheap. Someone right. pays the price Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. Pull your head out of the sand because that's simply not true. Mm -hmm. It's like cheap chocolate. Oh my gosh. I want to talk about that. That's another podcast. (laughs) Um, But convenience culture has said this is how much this should be. So a lavender wreath should cost $14.99. That's just a fake number. Yeah. Right? That's a number that has no meaning whatsoever. And to me, you have to equate. You have to put more than a dollar value on what it is. Because when I've grown the lavender, I I've tended to it and I've spent the time harvesting it and I've watched the bees pollinate it. And then I make the wreath. Is it more work? Yeah. But is it the dollar amount? I'm not even thinking about that
0: Mm.
1: because our, our, we're created to, to put our hands to things. There is a soul satisfaction that comes that you cannot buy. That's why you have unhappy rich people. Right.
0: Well said. That's a great point. That's right. I mean, you have,
1: you have unhappy people all over, but I just mean sure.
0: like the money reason. isn't the answer, right? Money, like is being, the answer. right? Being able to buy whatever whatever the price tag is is not necessarily it's not uh, fulfilling right. and not the yeah. point. Yeah, it's, not so a, point. it's a spiritual reward. It sounds it like is. you're saying.
1: Yeah, it's there, and there's a filling. And I, I mean, I genuinely think this is why the convenience culture is so unhappy. Right. Like I can go buy a hamburger for three dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, I can do that. But what soul satisfaction, what emotions, emotional satisfaction as a citizen, as a as a created being? What satisfaction comes from that?
0: Right. Yes, not much. And I think that's why there I agree with you that there are these existential holes in so many of us. We're living the way they're telling us we should live. And somehow it's just not making us feel good. I posted something today on Instagram, mostly about technology. I try to remember certain things when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And and the basic things were, you know, that like once upon a time, if you weren't home or you weren't waiting in a phone booth, you weren't expected to answer the phone. Yeah. And if enough days hadn't passed for the letter to arrive and arrive back, you weren't expected to answer a message. Right. The thing is that we are getting so sucked into technology and this convenience culture that it is convincing us that things like beauty and spiritual satisfaction and that spiritual reward we were just talking about, that I made this, I Mm -hmm. grew this, I cooked this, that those things don't matter, Mm -hmm. that they just don't matter. So don't even think about them. Don't even worry about them. We, lower the price of food in the supermarket to the point that nobody understands anymore what it takes to make a dozen eggs, right? Because a dozen eggs is so cheap. Mm -hmm. And, and we just keep getting caught up in this cycle. And so many of us are literally sick, uh, Mm -hmm. physically sick, mentally, so mentally sick. I mean, this society is the most mentally ill society. I think the earth has has ever known. Mm -hmm. Which is horrifying, and that's because this kind, of, this, this essence of the unsellable things, right? The things you can't market. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you're even, yeah. you're even seeing that with, with COVID. When you hear the doctors who're like, "Go outside, get vitamin D, take up exercising, do these things," that yep. aren't they're not marketable. That's they're right. Free.
0: That's right. That's exactly and right. And this,
1: will, this will actually improve, if nothing else. I mean, there's a whole physical aspect, but if nothing else, mentally, you'll feel better. Yep. Yep. Well, let's
0: talk a second about food and we've been talking, we've been touching on it, but it's a, it's a good moment talking about hard work and the importance, you know, of being healthy and the things that, that fill you. I want to read from, I downloaded your farm kids free PDF.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. I think it's an
0: older one. So you might not remember it, but I, you know, yeah thinking about living on the mountain and having my son i was like oh this is perfect i need to read this and i want to just quote something to you that you wrote
1: okay, okay. <laughs> this is exciting i don't even know what i said <laughs> well, i don't remember it
0: <laughs> if i could sum up why it is we do everything we do the early morning milkings the cleaning out of the chicken coop the tending carrying and slaving over the garden beds the answer is actually quite clean and easy it's the food we do what we do for the food The benefits of growing one's food completely overwhelm the workload. And even though it's easy to question that in the midday sun in August, it remains the truth. To say that growing your food is rewarding seems a gross understatement. Growing your food is revolutionary. Mm -hmm. I love that passage. And
1: then Italian. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's in you. And (laughs) and, and And my notes here right below that quote are, that's a lot of work. For food, but I get it because I was raised by people like that. Yeah. There was no limit of energy and time and extent that my parents and my extended family of friends and aunts and uncles and friends who were like aunts and uncles would go to for food. Yeah, to create it, it was um, all handmade. I mean, it was mostly handmade, and it was decadent and so rich in that, that homemade kind of simpleness. And I think as I've spent so much time thinking about it, that it was this pride in having created something yourself, this self-sufficiency, like I can do this, I can feed my family. And then there was just this pure sensory, we have to enjoy life. Yeah, you can go get uh, using the the $3 hamburger, you know, through the drive-through. We could do that, but that's not enjoying life. That's not really savoring these things that God put here for us to enjoy. And then lastly, food is what brings people together. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed like we have weekly dinners with my family still, and my mother cooks a big meal And that's what brings everyone there. And I've noticed the times where like maybe it's her birthday and we're like, oh, we'll just get Chinese so she doesn't have to cook or something like that. And it's not the same. Mm -mm. It's not the same. She doesn't even enjoy it because Mm -hmm. you just put Chinese food on the table is not the same as when someone sits and puts all that time and love into food. So Mm you have a wonderful cooking community that I'm going to link to in the show notes. and definitely want everyone to check out. Shay does, I'm a member of it. She does monthly recipes and these beautiful videos where she walks you through what she's cooking. And so like food is just a really big part of both of our lives, clearly. And why, why though, why do you see food as the most important investment of your time? Mm. It was a long intro, but I'm always no, getting so. No, I
1: love it. Um, well, I have to tell you this story because Please. when I was backpacking through Italy, I was, like I said, young, very weary after going through France. There's a reason French people are so pissed off all the time. <laughs> like, ugh. So we get to Italy, and of course they ha- they all close down for the afternoon, right? Right. And it's mm-hmm. so here we are. I think we're in Siena at this point. Everything's closed down. I don't understand what's happening. You know, right. I'm just young naive. I have no like, why, why is no one open. Yeah. We find this restaurant and it's locked, but I see somebody in there. We're starving. So I like knock on the door. And she I think she just she just took pity on us. She said, Come in. She locked the door behind us, sat us at a table. She's closed, mind you. She was having wow. her afternoon rest. And she brings me out this plate of something. And I eat it and I start to cry because I'm like heart sick, I'm I'm weary. I don't know what's happening. I'm just, I'm not feeling it at that moment. She brings me inside, I'm just crying because I know that she's done us a special favor. I know that she's, this is handmade because I watched her make it. I have no idea what it is. Mm -hmm. And I eat this whole plate of food and I'm like, it feels like somebody just gave me a hug. I needed this. She doesn't know me, we can't communicate at all. Well, years later, I figure out it was gnocchi. Oh, how funny! <laughs> and I'm like, is this a vegetable? Is it squash? Right. Is it pasta? Like, what is this? Right.
0: A little bit um, of both.
1: Yes, a little bit of both. <laughs> I realize. So then, years later, I go to Italy again, and I'm learning to make gnocchi from an Italian. And she says, "You know, you make gnocchi for people you love. When somebody makes you gnocchi, it's like." I agree. It is a hug because each, at least the way I make it, like each one, you're oh, yeah. cutting it all, you're hand rolling it on the That's floor right. and every bite that somebody will take, somebody put their hand to. That's right. From that moment, I was like, this is it. This is my this is my new favorite food. And I think that to me is the perfect reason why food is so important because it is nourishment for your body. And we need our bodies to be functioning for them to do to do life for us. Life is more enjoyable when your body feels good. Absolutely. Then there's the whole emotional aspect of it. It's like it's really hard to be angry with somebody to to just be like, "You're an idiot. You don't see things the way I see things." When you're breaking bread together, when when you have people to your table and you've poured them a glass of wine and you've you've put something into the relationship, right? You've put the effort in. To putting food before them, there's not that many differences that can't be Mm. resolved. Mm. Most of the really petty, stupid things. And that's why I think family suppers are so important. It's really easy for families to get nitpicky and divided and, you know, they're family. You're comfortable. You kind of let things fly. We also do the same thing. Every Friday we get together as a family. And my mom is still very much the matriarch. So she still very much does the food. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a point of human connection. Everybody has to eat. Everybody needs nourishment. And there's something about that, that either one alone doesn't totally fulfill. Mm. I mean, it's a physical aspect and it's an emotional aspect. I mean, there's not that many special things like that in the world. It's
0: so true. I I feel like it's just this topic that the older I get and the more I get into it, I could almost just spend, I might spend the rest of my life trying to articulate it. Having been raised with it, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. I mean, just so grateful I was given this perspective Mm -hmm. on food and it is a very Southern Italian perspective on food and and being in company. Mm -hmm. And And there's a reason people, like people want to, I'm sure, come to your house and eat because the food I'm sure is great and it's fresh and the ingredients are fresh. People, they need that. They feel it. Growing up, friends loved to come over because they knew this food was going to be good. There was homemade wine. Where else were they going to get homemade wine? Yeah. Yep. No, it was like a, it was like a movie. Like my house was just like another century. In in mm-hmm. so many ways, I recently read Alice Waters' "We Are What We Eat." Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if you came across that yet, and she talks a lot about the fast food industry, obviously, and convenience culture. And I do have—I uh, won't read it because I—I can't believe how long we've already been talking because it feels like we just started. It does. <laughs> I, I literally just looked at the clock. I was like, "Get out of here!" I feel like we just started. But she basically, in in essence, is saying the fast food industry wants us to believe that all of the laborious work of cooking is drudgery and a waste of time. Yeah. And that why would you do it? Why would you be in your kitchen working that hard when you can just go buy it? And I think what we're really, what's really bubbling to the surface of this conversation is that there are these intangible, spiritual, soulful rewards that you get from doing those things. And if you want a life that feels rich and alive in that way, you have to cook.
1: <laughs> it's true. Like you just do. And you know what, here's what really gets me is people they save themselves time by let's say eating convenience food. And then they fill that time with just garbage. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like great, 100%. now I can sit and watch Netflix for 4 hours tonight. Good that on me. So right. Yep. You know, garbage in food, garbage in, in that garbage. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. Recently had, had written about this as well. We're, we're always trying to make things faster and easier, but for what? To what end? For so, so that like you just said, so that you can consume more.
1: Yeah. So consume more garbage, consume more of anything. I guess I can go shopping now. I guess I I can. That's exactly right. You spend money. That's what leisure is. We're gonna buy a. We're gonna buy a boat. So we're right. Take a vacation. We're going to, you know, what, whatever that may be. They want you to spend more. That's that's capitalism, and they found a really smart way to do it, which was give people a bunch of free time, make them feel like they have to work and have this income, and then give them a bunch of free time, and you will
0: get their money. That is real. It's exactly yeah. right, and it's yeah. like you're pushed. You're pushed to hurry up, you're pushed to eat your food quickly, you're you're pushed to buy the gadgets, you're pushed to buy the fast food, which is, except for like your McDonald's and stuff, you know, if you go to the grocery store and buy something prepared, or you Mm -hmm. go to the restaurant, which I mean, I love going out to eat, I am not hating on restaurants. But you go to a restaurant, the same thing that could buy for a fraction of the cost feed your family for a week, everything is more expensive, is my point. Yeah in the convenience. And when it's not expensive monetarily, it's expensive in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. On your health. And, you know, if you're a family that's really just eating on the go a lot, that means you're not eating together. That mm-hmm. takes a toll on your family. Oh, so yeah, I, you know, like this yep. is all about dialing back to some kind of human
1: sanity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had this, we haven't had this issue when we were filming our Food Network pilot years ago where they said to us, our average person who watches the show is just going to shop at Walmart. Mm -hmm. And so like, we have to keep this something. They won't actually do it. They know statistically that they don't actually make the food, but they want to feel like they could make the food. I
0: see. And I took
1: this as like this personal challenge. Fine. You want to eat from Walmart? Let's do it. I'll throw down with some lentils and some squash and a good salt and we'll get a whole chicken. If it's a matter of money, right. we can do that. Like this is how peasants have eaten for ever. 100%. Mm-hmm. That's what gets me is like, well, McDonald's is cheap. First off, the price is not accurate. I yep. mean, when you're talking about just government subsidies of, of crops and such, it's it's not the true price of food, but I could, I could make you a much better meal <laughs> than you would, you could spend for the same or less that you would spend at McDonald's, but it's a skill level. And, and that's what I really find it's It's actually not a money thing. And so I don't want to have to put effort in. I agree. I agree. So Which yeah. is helpful. It's like, at least we know now what, what the battle is. Yeah. You know? and That's
0: true. But maybe the, the shift is people seeing why the effort is worth it.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: That's the shift undoing the brainwashing we've all endured. Yeah. Yeah, and I time. think yeah, I think that's that's definitely uh, the allure of your your work. I think that's why it's so attractive is you're actually showing people why that's so worth it. Yeah, a- inspiring them.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope that how can you be excited this excited about a Wednesday supper? Yeah, why wouldn't you be excited about Wednesday supper?
0: I love it. No, it's so true. <laughs>
1: I love it. So I love when you come out with a new video. I'm like, yes,
0: Shay has a new video. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch this. I did. I was gonna text Angela and actually. With, a, with an idea for the show, which is another thing I never do, but with you guys, it's like my firsts <laughs> uh, for everything. But why does it take so long to cook and so not as long to eat? I, I could, if you guys could do like a whole episode on that, because mm-hmm. I think what I find is that when I was younger, my mom would cook and maybe she would be cooking all morning on Sunday, for instance, but we would sit at that table for hours. And we just don't do that now. Mm -hmm. And I find sometimes when I'm in my martyrish tendency mood that you put all this work in. Here I have like two hours later and then the meal's just like done. And I get angry. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes, it's true. My husband's, he's great about this because he'll pour his wine. He's like, I'm not getting up from this table. Like I'm going to sit here and enjoy this. A lot of times we excuse the kids but we actually have an episode of the podcast coming out Monday where we talk about kids and manners and sitting at the table, training them to sit for long periods of time. I do think that that's important.
0: So so do you think it's actually just like a training as a family? Like that's the remedy. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, what are some remedies?
1: Oh yeah. I think it's just a training thing. I mean, we've even trained the people who come to eat at our house. It's like, no, we're going to sit here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are not getting up.
1: We're going to talk. Right. I mean, right. I think that's what it comes down. It's face to face conversation. We have you have to train yourself to even be a conversationalist, to ask good questions, to engage with thoughtful considerations, and and people will sit. And now, do you do courses? Typically, no. Yeah. Typically, no. Typically, I like to get it all prepared and put it all on the table, family style, and then you know we all just kind of go from it. But on a on a very special meal, birthdays or holidays, we do do courses. But you'll love this for my birthday. I decided that I wanted to make crab tortellini. And so I make all the pasta. We steam all the crab. We pick all the meat off of all the crab. Oh my gosh. And then I have this great harvest table in my kitchen that'll extend to 12 feet. It's an old wooden table. Amazing. I mean, and then I, my guests came, and I was like, "Listen, grab a chair. You are helping me to make tortellini," and they were out of their minds because they were like, "We can't make pasta." I'm like, "We're gonna do this. I'm gonna show you how to do this." And we sat around for I don't know, probably two hours making tortellini,
0: and it was That's amazing. A great
1: idea, though. It was so fun. I love it was that. A, and like so when we them got in. down to eat, all of a sudden they had a complete different appreciation. For What was in front of them,
0: yes, absolutely, and I think a lot of the times that that's what it is is also like I, I won't name any names, but there are some family members who may be male and maybe single still and <laughs> may not understand are they listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll eat my hat if he listens to this, but but anybody else in my family who's listening knows exactly who I'm talking about, and and you know. He doesn't have a concept of what it takes. My mother, for instance, to cook this meal that just yeah. magically appears in front of him every week for his entire life, and and even more when we were younger. Mm-hmm. So he's
1: but your brother. I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just that. I'm sure you listened to the. I just blew that you oh, <laughs> so listen funny. to the comedian uh, S- sebastian modest oh yeah. yes okay love him all i can think about when i think about like the italian grandma spending all day <laughs> so cooking funny. is like he's like you'd go in our basement and she'd be over her cauldron <laughs> with like her cankles and she's just stirring this huge pot of tomato sauce. it's so good oh my god we actually went as a
0: family and saw him live at madison square garden like that's how okay. much we love he nails it i mean with the italian oh. upbringing he he it's so good that is so funny. <laughs> Clearly, I'll never work for like the CIA or the FBI. I thought I was being so smooth. I won't name any names. <laughs> then yeah. I basically yeah. <laughs> reveal reveal his identity. <laughs> but anyway, uh, with that said, you have a big family, a busy farm. We've I've taken your time already. I didn't get to talk about beauty. I mean, I think we, of course, touched on it in this whole conversation. But I think beauty is we maybe next season my uh, theme will be beauty. And maybe you'll come back. Yeah. And we yes. can just talk about that. And I did want to talk some more about your photography, which is so beautiful. And also just like following your journey to owning that mm-hmm. is something I really wanted to talk about as well.
1: <laughs> and, you know, like
0: seeing, being able to see yourself as an artist and having the confidence and the conviction to start selling it.
1: Yeah. I hope I see, seem confident because again, with like the own worst critic, you yeah. know, all you do is, it's easy to see the beauty. It's not easy to see what you want to see. If that makes sense. Like You mean beauty. in the finished product, literally? In the finished product. Oh, it's yeah. like, I have a standard in my mind or, oh, or yeah. I have something in my head that's trying to come out and what can come out may be beautiful, but it's, you know, I mean, this is every artist's. It is. Sort of weight it is. Theory.
0: Yeah. Because I take photographs too. And I, I'm always just kind of like, man, the way it looks in my head, not the way it looks right now. (laughs) It never executes the way you visualize it. And like you said, the finished product may still be beautiful, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's so difficult, but that's with anything like writing. You have a story in your head. Like, uh, is the, that's the work, right? That's the labor.
1: Exactly. But
0: I do want to, I will link in the show notes to your beautiful photos, which are for sale. Definitely want to encourage all of you to check it out. I'll link to your Website and everything that you do, all oh, the beautiful stuff that I you do. It. Yeah, just letting everybody know. Uh, hardly, I feel like scratched the surface with the things that I could have talked to you about. But mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you gave me your time. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, well,
1: have me back soon, and we can talk about the whole beauty because I can. I mean, I could talk about that forever. And you should come I on our that. podcast because. I mean, Hi, so- I'm about. To, I'm sorry. I think I just liquid liquefied. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I mean. It's funny. We, um, we have had some guests on where it's like, these are our people, you know, and I, and I love meeting other people who it just, you make sense to me. Like you already make sense to me. I love oh it. my gosh. I'm,
0: <laughs> I don't think I have words. It's so rare.
1: <laughs> Tell Angela, just start a text thread with all of us. And we'll sort out the details.
0: Oh my so, uh. Lord.
1: <sighs> okay. But
0: Thank at you. some point
1: I'm definitely going to come over and eat some of your food. So. Oh my
0: gosh, I would love all of that. Please, all of it. that. Thank you so much for being here and being cool. so generous with your your energy and your time. Thank yeah, you. Yeah,
1: love it. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining Shay and I for what I hope you found to be an inspirational and heartwarming conversation. For more information on this show, you can visit bellafigurapodcast.com. That's B-E-L-L-A-F-I-G-U-R-A podcast.com. And if you join my newsletter now, you'll receive a free bonus episode and workbook on dream interpretation, where I use a mythical and psychological approach that I break down for you in detail. Just a reminder, please don't hesitate to reach out with feedback, questions, and ideas, If you like what you hear, please consider leaving a review, which definitely helps to spread the word about the show so that it reaches others who need it. You can find me once again on the web at bellafigurapodcast.com. Please subscribe to the show, share with your friends on social, and you can find me on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power.